Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. Welcome back to another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. I have a quick update before we jump into tonight's story. Some of you may or may not know, but I had a pipe burst above my apartment, so I'm not on my regular recording schedule right now. I took a bit of a hiatus, but um, I'm back and I'm starting to try to create some more content now that I moved into a different apartment because my apartment was completely destroyed. So please bear with me as I try to catch up and try to get some more content recorded as quickly as I possibly can for you. The first time I ever heard the name Melissa Lucio was actually when Kim Kardashian tweeted about her and how she was innocent and shouldn't be executed, which is kind of sad, but at least Kim is using her time to tweet about things that actually matter. 
But what really caught my attention was when Melissa's story began to be shared around the true crime community. There were several comments from people who actually lived in the community where Melissa is from who stated that they firmly believe Melissa did the crime that she's accused of. As it stands now, Melissa Lucio is on death row for the alleged 2007 murder of her two-year-old daughter, Mariah. And as of recording today, her execution has been stayed due to new evidence that has been uncovered. So we're going to talk about it all. Melissa, her daughter, Mariah, the alleged murder, the evidence, and all of the latest updates. If you want to dive even further into this case, there's a really good documentary called The State of Texas versus Melissa. I highly recommend it. It does a really deep dive and it has many interviews with Melissa and several people who knew her at that time. Okay, let's jump in. Melissa was born on July 18th, 1968 in Lubbock, Texas. Her father died when she was just a baby, so she didn't really get a chance to ever know him, and life with her mother was pretty terrible. She grew up really poor, with hardly any food, and in pretty crummy living situations. When she was a toddler, she moved with her mother to Rio Grande Valley, Texas, and this is when she would begin to be molested by her mother's boyfriend. At the time, she was maybe four, maybe five years old, and this went on until she was seven years old. This obviously really affected the way that she viewed herself and the way that she looked at men. She honestly just wanted to get away from her home life, so at the age of 16, she decided to leave her home and get married. Her first five children were with a man who drank heavily and physically abused her. The other children would be had with other men who came into her life. Altogether, she would go on to have 14 children, and the cycle of poverty continued. Melissa had a difficult time getting and keeping a job. As you can imagine, when you have so many children, it's practically impossible to find childcare or to even be able to afford it. At one point, she had worked as a home health aide, but she wasn't able to continue working. So, the family relied on government assistance and whatever handouts were given to them. Even with a helping hand, there were many times when they didn't have food or shelter and were even living in a park, and this had a lot to do with Melissa's drug addiction. According to family members, Melissa had a cocaine addiction that she just couldn't kick, and for this reason, there were many points that Child Protective Services had to get involved and even remove some of the children from the home. Even through her struggles, Melissa's family described her as always being a non-violent person. While her children had to be taken away due to neglect from not being able to afford the necessities, Melissa was never suspected of child abuse, meaning it was never reported or documented that she ever physically harmed any of her children. In September of 2004, Melissa and her boyfriend, Robert Alvarez, had baby Mariah. She was Melissa's 12th baby, the baby of the family at the time. Unfortunately, Melissa was still struggling with that cocaine addiction, and she tested positive shortly after Mariah was born. This caused her children to again be placed in foster care. Eventually, the three older children would go to live with their biological father in Houston, while Melissa regained custody of the others in late 2006. 
A year later, in 2007, when Mariah was three years old, the family moved into a new, small, two-bedroom apartment in the city of Harlingen, which is located right on the border of Mexico. They were still living in poverty. They were still struggling to pay rent, pay the bills, and to put food on the table. Things had been really bad. Their electricity had been cut. They had moved around 26 times in a five-year period. And at that time, the only access that they had to water was through their neighbor's house. To make things even more stressful, Melissa was now pregnant with twins. On February 15th, 2007, the family was still moving their belongings into this new second-floor apartment. They were busy transporting things and getting their furniture set up so no one was really paying attention to little Mariah. According to Melissa, she noticed that Mariah was no longer in the apartment, so she walked around to look for her. She found Mariah crying at the bottom of the staircase outside of the apartment building with a bit of blood on her lower teeth. Other than that, according to Melissa, Mariah seemed to be fine. She was prone to falling because one of her feet was turned in, but she was a tough little girl, and so they carried on with their day, not really thinking that anything was seriously wrong. Then, two days later on Saturday, February 17th, at around 7pm, Mariah's father and Melissa's boyfriend, Robert, call paramedics after he finds little Mariah unresponsive and not breathing. When the paramedics arrive, they find Mariah completely alone, lying on her back in the middle of the floor, not breathing and with no pulse. At that time, paramedics noted that Melissa did not appear to be overly distressed about the situation, especially considering how serious things were. She wasn't holding the little girl, she wasn't even within arm's reach of Mariah, and she appeared to be distant. I know we always talk about how everyone reacts differently to stress, and we don't really know how we would personally react unless we were in that situation, but I can say this. If my little girl is not breathing and isn't waking up, I'm going to be holding my baby in my arms until the medics pry me away from her. Paramedics asked Melissa and Robert what had happened to Mariah, and they told them that she had fallen down some stairs a couple of days prior. They whisked little Mariah away in an ambulance. However, sadly, she was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. The emergency room technician who would see Mariah that evening would later say that the condition her little body was in was the absolute worst case of child abuse that he had seen in his 30 years of practice. The injuries that Mariah had to her body were absolutely brutal. There were bruises in various stages of healing covering her body. There were bite marks on her back. One of her arms had been broken probably about two to seven weeks before her death and she was missing portions of her hair where it appeared that it had been pulled out by the roots. However, the technician also noted that at that point he did not visually see any injuries to her head. Police knew that they had to immediately interview Melissa to get the full story. Melissa said the same thing that she had been saying all along, that two days prior, on February 15th, Mariah had fallen down some stairs, but at that time, she seemed to be okay. When pressed further about the other injuries Mariah had on her body, Melissa suggested that her older children could have been responsible for those. 
According to the officer who was interviewing Melissa, he said that she avoided eye contact the entire time, she kept her head down, and she just looked beat. After 20 minutes or so of trying to get more information out of her, the investigator said Melissa began to open up a bit. The interview was recorded and parts of it are in that documentary, so I highly suggest you watch it. But I do have court documents from the appeal that was recently filed, and what is noted as being said is just downright disgusting. First, Melissa said that when Mariah was acting out, she would spank her. That it was only her who ever spanked Mariah, not Robert and not the other children. She also stated that she would hit Mariah when she got mad. She described how she pinched Mariah's vagina and how she would sometimes grab and squeeze Mariah's arm. She described how she bit Mariah twice on the back at different times about two weeks before Mariah's death. She said that on one occasion, she bit Mariah on the back for no reason while she was combing her hair. She said, I just did it. She also stated that she would spank Mariah several times day after day. I'll have this document posted over on my Facebook group if you want to take a look. Just search for Serial Society True Crime Discussion Group and you can have a full look at everything that was said. It's all very detailed. And it goes on. Melissa stated that Mariah was sick on the day that she died, but that she was afraid to take Mariah to the doctor because of all of the bruises on her. She also stated that Mariah would not eat and that her breathing was heavy, that Mariah slept all day on February 17th, and that she would lock her teeth together when she would try to feed her. After several hours of interrogation, Melissa said, I guess I did it. And that was all police needed at that point to arrest her on charges of murder. While she never gave details to how she allegedly killed her daughter or caused her head injury, the other admissions of abuse led police and prosecutors to charge her with capital murder, which comes with an automatic death sentence. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Let's talk about a few things that will become important to Melissa's appeal later. She was questioned by the police for over five hours without food, beverage, or sleep, and without a lawyer present. She's also heavily pregnant and has just learned that her youngest child has died. Many of Melissa's supporters believe that she was coerced into this confession and that the evidence just doesn't support the statements that she gave. Mariah's autopsy would happen just a couple of days later, and it tells a deeper story. Her cause of death would be listed as blunt force head trauma, which would have occurred within 24 hours prior to her death. The chief forensic pathologist also said that Mariah suffered multiple contusions to her head area and that blunt force head trauma basically means beat about the head with something, an object, a hand, a fist, or slammed. In court, he would testify that these injuries would not have been caused by falling down some stairs and that this was the most severe case of child abuse he had ever seen. In 2008, Melissa Lucio would go on trial for the capital murder of her three-year-old little girl, Mariah. The tapes from those police interviews would be shown with all of Melissa's statements. The emergency room attendant would testify to the injuries that he saw on Mariah's body the evening that she was brought in. And of course, the forensic pathologist who performed her autopsy 
would testify that she died of blunt force head trauma and that he did not believe it was due to a fall down the stairs. Melissa's defense continued to argue that Mariah's injuries were from falling down the stairs and that the police had coerced her into a false confession. Two of Melissa's other children who were there the day that Mariah had allegedly fallen down the stairs also testified that they saw their sister fall down those stairs. As for the other injuries that Mariah had, which the prosecution claimed was abuse, well, the defense had their own pediatric orthopedic surgeon review the evidence, and he concluded that the medical examiner's testimony was misleading and that there was nothing about Mariah's fracture that indicates that it was the result of an intentional act of abuse. They also had expert testimony that refuted the bite mark claims, stating that the marks could have been from anything, not necessarily from a bite. Thousands of pages of Child Protective Services records were shown in court due to the neglect issues. However, none of them mentioned anything about signs of abuse. The defense claimed that if there was abuse happening in the home, surely it would have been picked up by one of these caseworkers. And I don't really agree there. I mean, we recently talked about Harmony Montgomery. She was very clearly physically abused by her father, Adam, for an extended period of time. Caseworkers were in and out of the home and nothing was ever done. So I don't know. That's kind of a moot point for me. In the end, the jury believed that there was enough evidence to find Melissa guilty of capital murder and to sentence her to death. She would be the first Hispanic woman to sit on death row. And for the last 14 years, that's exactly where she has been, sitting on death row, leading up to the events of this month when she was actually supposed to be put to death. But we'll get to that in a minute. In the 14 years that Melissa has sat behind bars waiting for her execution, she has always maintained her innocence, saying that Mariah had died from an accidental fall, not from a beating and torture. And at least five of her jurors recently came forward publicly to call for her execution to be stopped and for a new trial based upon evidence that they never heard. As part of the Innocence Project, the organization that helps individuals that they believe are innocent to be vindicated, Melissa was given a new lawyer who has worked tirelessly to try to get her a new trial. They believe that Melissa was only convicted of murder because she was a Hispanic woman living in Texas who didn't have money to hire her own lawyer. Instead, she was given a court-appointed attorney that really didn't do their job properly. There were expert witnesses who should have been called, other children of hers that could have testified on her behalf, DNA that could have been tested that would supposedly prove that this was all an accident. Her case has garnered a lot of attention in the last year. As I said, I only heard of this case from a Kim Kardashian tweet. Kim has tried to bring attention to Melissa's case because she believes herself that Melissa is innocent. Just two days before Melissa, now 53 years old, was due to be executed, she was given a second chance, a stay of execution. This means that her case may be reviewed again, and her lawyers are hoping that they can present new evidence to show the courts that Melissa is innocent. 
Melissa said in a statement, I am grateful the court has given me the chance to live and prove my innocence. Mariah is in my heart today and always. Melissa's defense team, while they believe that the officers who interviewed her on the evening of Mariah's death had tunnel vision. They believed that she was guilty right from the get-go. They saw the way that she was acting as a sign of guilt. However, it was never revealed to the courts and the jury that Melissa was a survivor of sexual abuse, and apparently survivors of significant trauma and domestic abuse are particularly vulnerable to coercive police interrogation. Her partner, prior to having Mariah, was also abusive. He repeatedly raped her and threatened to kill her. A psychologist who reviewed recent testing of Melissa said that Melissa has highly abnormal levels of vulnerability to police coercion because of her background. The jury and the court in the first trial never heard any of this, so they kind of watched the police interrogation without any context, according to Melissa's lawyers. Now, according to the paperwork that has been filed uh, for this new appeal, there are many other issues with the interrogation and how it was conducted. At one point in the video of the interview, the camera was switched off and then switched back on much later when the interviewer directs her to hit a doll in order to demonstrate the alleged abuse that led to Mariah's death. And she did as instructed. We don't know what was said or what was done while the camera was turned off at that point. Listen, I have no idea whether or not Melissa Lucio killed her daughter Mariah, but I certainly do think that this is a case that needs to be looked at again. There needs to be no doubt whatsoever that this happened in order to put someone to death, in my opinion. Of course, people are really divided over this, especially with the testimony of the forensic pathologist who completed the autopsy. He said the injuries were not consistent with falling down the stairs, but rather of head trauma from being hit repeatedly with something heavy. And what about the other signs of abuse? The bite marks, the old bruises, the old breaks in her bones. I'm not convinced that there was not abuse happening in the home. Now we wait to see what happens next with Melissa's case and exactly what kind of new evidence will be presented. For now, her children, who are all grown up, are celebrating that they might have a chance to have more time with their mother. It currently sits with the 138th Judicial District in Cameron County, which will make a recommendation to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. They will ultimately decide whether Melissa gets a new trial. For now, she still sits on death row, and it's uncertain how long this whole process will take. It should be noted that Mariah's father, Robert Alvarez, was treated completely different than Melissa by the investigators. When they interviewed him, they acted as he was more of a witness than a suspect. He was eventually convicted of a much lesser charge of causing injury to Mariah by omission, by failing to seek medical care for her, and he was sentenced to only four years in prison, so he is a free man today. It's interesting how they treated the two so differently. But I'd love to know what you think of this case, whether you believe Melissa is innocent or guilty, or whether you think she deserves a new trial. Let me know your thoughts. 
I'll be following this case closely and I'll have any updates over on my Facebook page, Serial Mapper. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Mapper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, and that's all one word. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. I'm Dean, I'm the dad. I'm Laura, I'm the mom. And I'm Crystalyn, I'm the daughter. And together we are... Family Plot! The Family Plot Podcast, a show where we discuss history, folklore, true crime, and the paranormal. Minus all the oogie bits, we are PG-13. I'm almost 15 now. Don't ruin the commercial. Catch us looking into special topics like the origins of fairy tales, Sherlock Holmes, and the trial of Dr. Hyde and Mr. Swope. Find out who Dad Man Crush is. Or what happens in Krista's Corner. But behave you two. So come be a part of the fam. Available on Google, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Family Plot Podcast. Bye!